Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Uh, we're continuing as a church wrestling with a refuge of grace. We believe that God has called us to be a refuge of grace. And so with that, our quest is to achieve what it is that he desires for us. And so we press in weekly to figure out and have some conversation together as a church of what is it that we are as a refuge of grace? What does that look like? And how do we live that out in our individual lives and then join together as a congregation? So this morning, we're going to look at um, 2 Samuel um, so if you go back to the Old Testament, towards the, uh, the first third of the Old Testament, uh, or 2 Samuel, we're going to dive into 2 Samuel, and then we're also going to take a look at Psalm 51. And so I want to give you guys a few minutes to find those two books. Uh, 2 Samuel, we'll look at chapter 11, and then Psalm 51. So we're going to talk about a guy that you may have heard about by the name of David. Uh, but before we dive into studying David this morning, if I were to say to you uh, at the beginning of this part of our service, we are going to practice confession, I wonder what that would stir up inside of us. I heard some oohs, and I heard some, oh, I, don't, I, I saw some of your smiling faces turn to is he serious? Like the sternness of, I don't know that I'm right where I want to be this morning. Why did I pick this morning to come to church? The word confession is a word that really makes us uncomfortable. And if we were to flesh out, if you will, this word confession, which we're going to look at this morning, will be the one word that we focus on. Uh, I think that we would discover is in fleshing this out, it actually goes against our human nature. It goes against our flesh. Confession is not something that we actually enjoy sometimes. I've never met anybody that has said, Ooh, I can't wait until it's time for confession. I can't wait until I get to confess something to someone or to God. And I think that we have grown up as a church, as a church as a whole, over the centuries, and we've not really grasped the fullness of the word confession in the scriptures. What is confession? And then the church, even there is this great division on what confession is. Some of you may have grown up Catholic. And so whenever you think of confession, and even some of us that did not grow up 
Catholic, we have this mindset that confession is us sitting in a dark, small space, and there's somebody on the other side in a, in a, in a similar room that is having a conversation with us through a screen, and it's in that moment that we actually confess and we get everything off of our chest. And then there are some for penance, if you will, some our fathers, and then there's some Hail Marys, and then we walk out of the room, we do a couple of these things, and then that is what confession means to some people. And then for those of us who did not grow up Catholic, and I am, I am one of those people, that we have this idea that confession is just saying a couple of things to God, and then we go about our way, and then we actually do nothing about it. And I will be honest with you this morning, both of those actions of confession are not the idea of confession that is laid out for us in the scripture. We don't just tell a priest or we don't just tell God that we're sorry and then we don't just exchange our list and say, here, here's my list. This is what it is that I need to confess and then I go about my daily life. Real confession is not this. Real confession is not about feeling better, it's about living better. Andy Morgan, a pastor, said these words, and it really, as I was uh, reading a blog by him, it really just pierced my idea of confession. It's not about feeling better, it is actually about living better. Real confession will lead to making real change in life. Confession is not about relieving the guilt that weighs heavy on our mind or on our heart. Real confession is simply making right the relationship that we have with God. You see, it's not about our feelings. It's about how we live our life. And we have to make sure that this is how we, uh, that this idea of confession is a biblical ideal and concept of confession. But in our daily life and in our view of confession, what I've discovered is we actually become like small children who've been caught and they want to do everything they can to hide what they've done wrong. I've had the privilege this year of walking a little closer than I had planned to walk with our school, um, and I've gotten pulled in on some conversations uh, with some kids um, over this last year, and in almost every one of those conversations, they started out with a kid who said, I didn't do anything wrong. And the reason that I got pulled into the conversation to begin with was because they did something wrong. But here we were in the conversation. And I realized going through the course of the year that almost every single kid said, I didn't do anything. I, I don't know why I'm here. One of the things that Mr. Piliad, I, I love what Mr. Piliad does when he first, uh, he's our secondary principal, when he first goes into a room with a kid who's in the office for uh, some type of behavior. And I've, I've learned to do this. He says, do you know why you're in here? Some of the kids, and they tell everything that they know. But the majority of the kids, 
I don't know why I'm in here in the office. And you know, this is really how we live our relationship with the Lord. We're no different from the kids that we have raised or that we have witnessed in our life. It is in our fleshly nature to hide or conceal what we've done wrong instead of confessing it. That's just the default of our flesh. The scripture is actually full of people who confess their sin. Adam and Eve in the garden. What did they do? They hid their sin before God led them to a point to where they had to confess their sin. King David, what did King David do? We're going to look at King David here this morning. King David hid his sin, and then the Lord eventually led him to a place to where he had to confess his sin. I want you to realize that a lot of God's work in your life in crafting us into who he desires for us to be is about confession. And so we need to understand what confession is and have a biblical idea of what confession actually is. God's work is so that we can reflect him. And any area of our life where we do not reflect him, we have to confess and then make things right with God. This is confession. And in every step of the way, it's about changing how we live our life, coming in agreement with God. But what we experience in life is a world of beaten down people that are bruised and battered all because they're not willing to confess and get it out in the open, the areas where they're actually living wrong. And so what happens is that guilt that we internalize because we're not willing to confess, it beats us up and it becomes a tool of the enemy to immobilize our spiritual walk with God and we just keep getting beat up and keep getting beat up whenever we just need to get things out in the open so that we can move forward in properly reflecting God. There is a, a clinical psychologist, his name is Dr. Carl Menninger. Uh, and he says that he believes in his life studies the number one reason that people end up in psychiatric hospitals is because of guilt. Because of guilt from the wrongs that people have done in their past. He says if people would just confess their guilt and then know that they were forgiven... 75% of the people in a psychiatric hospital would be able to leave the hospital that very same day if they would just confess and then know that they were forgiven. Listen, God's grace is the answer to guilt in your life. Amen? And when we truly embrace this concept of confession, that it is not about bringing shame in our life, and we receive the forgiveness of God's grace, then we are able to walk freely in our life. There has never been one perfect person on this earth other than Jesus Christ. John reminds us in a scripture we'll look at later that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That word all is key there for everybody from Adam and Eve all the way up until today. Everyone has sinned except for Jesus Christ. And grace comes to us 
through confession. And so if we believe that we are to be a refuge of grace, then probably confession should be something that is commonplace in a refuge of grace. Because it is confession that leads to more grace from God so that we can walk in this proper and true relationship that God actually desires to have with us. Ernest Hemingway actually wrote a story about a father and a teenage son. And in this story, the relationship between the father and the teenage son had actually become strained, and the teenage son ran away from home. The father spent a significant uh, period of time over the next two decades constantly looking for his son, or or over the next uh, two months, I'm sorry, constantly looking for his son. He went everywhere that he thought his son would be. He looked at friends' houses. He looked at places where his son would normally go. He searched the school, and he couldn't find his son. So finally, in Madrid, Spain, in a last desperate attempt to find the boy, the father put an ad in the local newspaper. And this is what Ernest Hemingway in his story says the ad said. Dear Paco, Meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. In the story that Ernest Hemingway wrote, he said that the next day, around 800 boys, all named Paco, showed up. Wanting forgiveness and the love of a father. Because they understood from the newspaper article that all was forgiven. You see, the beauty of God's word for us is that we can understand that all of our injustices that we have caused in our life can be forgiven if we're willing to confess. But confession is not something that we should run from. Instead, it is something that we should run to. Because we have this idea and buying into this lie from the enemy that God does not know our sin. It's just like what Adam and Eve were doing in the garden. They were hiding from God because they didn't want their sin revealed. Well, that's what we often do. We hide from God. It starts by small things. It starts by us first saying, well, I'm not going to hang around with some of the people that bring conviction into my life. Conviction is simply uh, an alarm going off in our life that we need to get to confession. And so the people that make us feel guilty or the people that make us feel convicted, we want to stay away from those people. It eventually leads to us missing church periodically. And then before you know it, things progress and things progress and things progress. And we get further in life and then we look around and we wonder, how did I ever get here? And it all goes back because there's unresolved sin in our life that simply needs to be confessed. And God already knows it. That's the beauty of who God is. He is all-seeing and he is all-knowing. And so we think, if I can just keep this secret, nobody around me is going to know anything about this. And maybe God won't even know all the details. But you know what? He knew that you were going to get in the sin that you're in, or the mess that you're in, before you ever even got there. And that's why he paved the way to be in relationship with us. So that through confession, we could experience the fullness of God's grace. Confession is not telling God something that he doesn't know. 
It's agreeing with God and saying, God, I've got to get my life right and come in alignment with you. Confession is not complaining. Confession is not whining. It's not blaming. It's not pointing fingers. Confession is simply radical reliance on the grace of God that is a free gift that he has already given to us. It is here. It's simply waiting for you to come and embrace that and move forward. And the way that you do that is through confession. It's simply saying what I did was wrong and your grace is greater than my sin. And so I receive that grace. So let's take a look at David. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Before we read this passage of scripture, it's important for you to understand that God anointed David as king. When David did not have any qualifications to be the king, God still chose him. The scriptures reveal to us that David was a man after God's own heart. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing to be revealed about somebody. A man after God's own heart, but he wasn't perfect. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see that. I'm going to skip around, so if you'll follow with me, I'm going to read the first couple of verses here. 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. We could stop there. We could already see in just two verses what's about to happen. The beginning of verse 1, it says, this is a time when kings go off to war. We get to the end of verse 1, and it says, but David stayed behind. Possibly we could see that David was shirking his duties. David wasn't living up to the responsibility that he actually had as the king. He had too much time on his hand. He's walking around the roof and he spots a woman that's very beautiful. He didn't go off to war. Then in verse 3 and 4, it says, And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. She had purified herself from the uncleanliness. And then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So here we see some next decisions of the man that the scripture once said was a man after God's own heart. Here he sends off some people, and they usher Bathsheba right into his bedroom. Look at verse 14 and look at verse 15. So now we see the sin of David not doing what he's supposed to do, shirking his responsibilities in verse 1 and 2. Verse 3 and 4, David actually commits adultery with another man's wife. Verse 14 and 15, in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it to Uriah, or sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah in the front line where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he'll be struck down and die. And now what David is doing is plotting to have Bathsheba's husband killed. David is committing sin after sin after sin. The man who once was a man after God's own heart 
now finds him quickly progressing downward in sin after sin after sin after sin. Then he writes Psalm 32, verse 2 and 4. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. What David is writing about here in the 32nd Psalm is what we just read in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And what is it that David is saying is the problem here? He said, the problem is I refuse to confess my sin. And for David, his body was wasting away. And if it was true for David, it's true for us. Unconfessed sin always leads to a body that's wasting away and groaning all day long. And then he says in verse 4, Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. David knew that his secret was not a secret. And here's where a lot of us try to live. To keep everything a secret. And then we wonder why our spirit is groaning. We wonder why our strength is evaporating from us. We wonder what's going on in our lives. And it all goes back to unconfessed sin. Listen, unconfessed sin is the greatest tool of the enemy to destroy you immobilize you and to separate from the God who paid for your sin but in a refuge of grace in a refuge of grace confession has to be commonplace so that we do not fall prey to the enemy and so I want to ask you this morning we're not going to shout it out, we're not going to stand, and we're not going to raise our arms, and we're not going to start going around the room and everyone start confessing your sin, because I don't believe that that is healthy. But I want to ask you this morning, what unconfessed sin have you been wrestling with in your life? What is unconfessed that has been blocking you from progressing in your walk with God? What unconfessed sin is causing your strength to evaporate? What unconfessed sin is causing you to groan in your spirit in the way that David was writing about? What is it that is in there that the enemy is using to separate you from the God who paid for your sin? You see, we think that sin is the problem, but sin is not the problem because on Calvary's cross, Jesus defeated sin. It's confession that's the problem. Jesus did his part on the cross. Now you have to do your part in confessing that sin to him and getting it out in the open so that you can come in alignment with Jesus Christ. David said, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. But here's the amazing thing about David. He didn't stop with the 32nd Psalm. He then wrote the 38th Psalm. And we see playing out in these Psalms, David's walk with the Lord. He said, oh Lord, 
Psalm 34, verse 1, 2, and 3. Oh Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sin. And then verse 5 and 7, he said, My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sin. A raging fever burns within me, and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. Because of this unconfessed sin, because of this unconfessed sin, David felt like he had a knife stuck deep in his soul. And he felt like his soul was wounded and pierced. And there was something that he had to do in his life because he just could not escape the misery. It's like a guy by the name of of Li Huang. Li is a Chinese man who was actually attacked. And in the attack, it was brutal. And he did not realize for a number of years the extent Of this attack. After the attack, Lee had throbbing headaches for four years. Come to find out that Lee was actually stabbed, and when they finally did an x ray, the blade had broken off in his skull, giving him these throbbing headaches because of this foreign object that was stuck in his head. Well, what if we did an x-ray of your soul? What misery would be stuck there? That you've been searching for the problem of the pain. What if we did an x-ray of your soul? What unconfessed sin is there that God is saying, Here, let me bring healing to you this morning. And let me take that pain and misery away from you. If you will just confess that, that's when the healing can begin. But it never begins until confession. Jesus paid the price for your soul's healing. And sin is the foreign object in our lives that has to get out and has to be confessed And we can't deal with sin on our own. That's been mankind's problem all the way back to Adam and Eve. We can't, we don't have the power to overcome on our own. It's through confession that we come in right relationship with God. He heals the pain and begins to take away the misery so that in right relationship with Him, we can move forward uh, and be rid of the guilt and rid of the festering, and rid of, that, rid of that which we are hiding. We have to begin, as a body of believers united together, in a refuge of grace, by allowing the Spirit to search our souls that leads us to confession. This is not only for us as individuals, but for us together as a congregation. Just as we as individuals are not perfect individuals. It doesn't matter if you're a man after God's own heart. You can still fall prey to the attacks of the enemy. When we join together as an organization, because we together as an organization made up of individuals, we can't be a perfect individual. 
And we have to ask God as individuals where we've sinned and confess that. And we have to then together as an organization ask God, God, where have we missed the mark? Where have we sinned? And those are the things that we have to start confessing. Because we will never move forward as individuals and never move forward as an organization until everything has been confessed. It's out in the open. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. And we've moved forward then in his radical grace that is more powerful than anything right or wrong that we've ever done. Confession must be commonplace in a refuge of grace. So I want you to look at Psalm 51. So we're not just going to leave David at this wretched place in his life. God has given us this example in David as a pattern for us to follow. And we get Psalm 51 that was written about a year after David's cover-up. David was confronted. He denied it. God sent the prophet to David, confronted David. David denied it. And then here, the Spirit starts working in David's life. And in the 51st Psalm, we actually see a change in David. Psalm 51. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. That's his grace. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts, you teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David is waving the white flag of surrender here to God. And he's saying, I have lived my life for about a year or so in total misery because I shirked my responsibilities, because I had an affair because I killed somebody. And David is saying, God, I surrender. I'm sick and tired of living in my sin and in living in denial. And now I am confessing my sin and I want to be the person that you actually desire for me to, to, to for, that you actually desire for me to be. David is saying, the old man would let this stuff fester inside of me. But the new man is changing, and I'm confessing it, and I'm going to walk forward in relationship with God. And here's the beauty of where we are under grace. 
we can say the old man, it was festering inside of me. It was immobilizing me. It was crippling me in my daily life. But in this new man, I'm a blood-bought washed and dwelled by the Holy Spirit, confessed refuge of grace, living follower of Jesus Christ. And this is who we have to be so that the world who is immobilized in their sin and has no clue what confession is can hunger for the things of God. There's no special location that's required. There's no special formula that's required. There's no special individual that you have to bring into this. The only thing is required is you and God. It can be when you lay your head on a pillow. It can be in this place today. It can be as you're driving down the road. It can be wherever you are at and you invite the presence of God to be with you. Surrender completely to him. Confess everything to him. Get it out in the open with him and then receive his forgiveness and move forward as the person that God desires you to be. We can only have hope when we confess and move forward in the grace of Jesus Christ. Outside of confession and outside of God's grace, there is no hope. John said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Listen to this verse. If we say we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. This is John, who was with Jesus, the only one of the disciples who was not killed because of their faith. If there would be anybody that could say, I don't have a lot of sin in my life, it would be John. But John said, if we say we have no sin... I'll change the translation to this. You are a liar. Well, he said, the truth is not in us. So the opposite of truth is a lie. And if you're the one that's saying the opposite of truth, then you are a liar. If you say you have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Now listen, our quest in relationship with God is to be just like David, to be men and women after God's own heart. But if somebody who was after God's own heart could fall prey to the, to the temptation of the enemy, then so can we fall prey to the temptation of the enemy. Just because we are a part of the holiness movement does not make us holy. It's God's grace that makes us holy. And our quest is to be holy. But if you say you have no sin, then you are a liar. You see, that's how the enemy works. We want to say, I, there's no sin in my life. There's no, there's no sin inside of me. You know what you're doing? You're living with unconfessed junk in your life that is blocking you from being the person that God wants you to be. And we have to stop fooling ourselves and get everything out in the open and confess it so we can be who God wants us to be. John goes on to say, but if we confess our sins he will forgive us because we can trust God to do what is right he will cleanse us from all the wrongs that we have done this is confession he will cleanse us 
The key word in this last sentence is the word will. It's not might. It's not he could. It is not he has been known to. It is not there is a possibility. John said he will cleanse us. But what is the first step? It's confession. Confession. Confessing our sins. If we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins. But the opposite of this is true as well. We could say, if you do not confess your sin, he will not forgive your sin. Because we can trust God to do what's right. You see, sin in your life is not so much the problem as it is not repenting. God has given you forgiveness. It's here. It's here and it's waiting and it is a free gift that will radically change your life and set you free. But you only receive it when you confess. So what has the Spirit stirred up in you this morning? What is it that you've been carrying that is so heavy you just can't figure it out? I think that those may be some unconfessed sins in your life. And God is waiting, waiting for you to confess your sins so that He will forgive your sins and cleanse us from all of the wrongs that he has done. Grace simply says, what I did was bad. It was wrong. But God's grace is greater. So this morning, I offer you God's grace. This is a refuge of grace. You can receive God's grace. And our goal is to see to it that no one misses the grace of God. God's grace is here for you this morning. But you have to step forward and not confess your sins to me. You have to confess them to him. He already knows them. And he's just waiting for you to tell him what he already knows. So are you willing this morning to begin a conversation with God that leads to confession and receive his grace that is greater than all of your sins. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.